Welcome to the Questionably Qualified Podcast. I'm John Truxus, and I am sadly not joined by my co-host Mike Yaks this week, because we both have children, and there's only so much you can do when a stomach bug throws an extra wrench into the usual podcast coordination machine. We'll be back with the usual format next week, but I didn't want to leave our vast listener base in the lurch, so I'll go through some of the week 8-9 to news myself. The Lions had another good win against an inferior opponent in the Las Vegas Raiders, and apparently it was enough to get Josh McDaniels fired, so double bonus there. While the Lions still have some areas of concern, they covered the spread, which gave us a nice winning week, and they now sit at 6-2, and two, which is nothing to sneeze at. They're only two games ahead of the Vikings for the NFC North, but with Kirk Cousins' injury, there's not much of a threat there, and obviously the Packers and Bears aren't putting up a fight this season. Part of me wishes they'd made a key addition at the trade deadline, but it's hard to fault them with the slow and steady approach they've taken so far with the way it's working out, and especially from my position as a Bears fan. Speaking of which, yes, Tyson Bajan suffered his first loss as a starting quarterback in the NFL, surprising everyone who didn't watch his win against the Raiders and see how little of it he earned. More importantly, Chicago made a move at the trade deadline and gave up a second-round pick for Montez Sweat. Let's do a quick dive into why that's a puzzling decision. Montez Sweat is a very solid defensive end who will certainly bolster a position of need for Chicago. Of course, pretty much everything is a position of need in Chicago, and draft picks are the easiest way to find cost-controlled talent. Sweat is a free agent at the end of this season, which means he could, at worst, leave for another team and leave the Bears with nothing, and at best sign a deal to stay with the Bears at market value for a high-end defensive end. There's just not a lot of extra value that they could possibly get out of the Bears and Montez sweat arrangement. That's not the end of the world, of course, because the Bears don't have a lot of expensive contracts on their books, so it's not blocking them from getting other players. But that's the best case scenario. We went through this just one year ago when the Bears gave up what turned into the 32nd pick in the draft for Chase Claypool. It'll be hard for this one to go that badly, obviously, but even if the Bears win half of their remaining games, which would be a very lofty goal, They'd finish the season at 7-10, and 10, which would give the team about pick number 41 based on last season. That means that over the past two trade deadlines, Chicago has given up picks 32, 41, and 2022 first-team All-Pro Roquan Smith for Chase Claypool, Montez Sweat, and picks 53 and 148. We know Claypool wasn't worth the price, but in order to make up the value gap from draft picks alone, Sweat would have to be worth Roquan Smith and basically the 62nd pick in the draft based on most trade value charts. What are the odds that's going to work out? Of course, that's not to say he won't be good for the Bears or that it's a franchise-sinking move. It's just a demonstration of the bad process that our front office pursues, which speaks to what Yak said to me on an earlier podcast. The Bears could end up with the first and second picks in the 2024 draft, and if they do, they'll probably find a way to screw it up. We can always hope they luck into a good GM-coach combination, or that I find a way to buy them someday, but we probably have a lot of mediocrity to sit through in the meantime. I'd like to say let's move on to more positive topics, but before we do, I have to vent about one more thing. It's not a bad beat, and it's not the doomed cause that is my fantasy team this season. It's the worst commercial of the year. Every season, one commercial starts out looking harmless. It's a major brand, it has celebrity actors, and it's your normal promotional spot for a new product. But the NFL schedule lends itself to overexposure, and soon you start thinking to yourself, hmm, there's something about this commercial that makes me not like it very much, but I can't figure out what it is. Of course, you're subjected to it another 17 times the following Sunday, and finally you figure it out. The entire premise of the promotion makes no sense, and now you hate it. 
This year, I'm excited to announce that the terrible commercial is Apple's promotion for the iPhone 15 Pro with Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes. The phone has titanium in it. Is titanium something I want in my phone? Is it already in the phone that I have right now? Is there some world in which the inclusion of any material without description of what it's used for or why it's a superior material to what used to be used is an attractive feature? Can I sell you some useless items in my house with one gram of titanium included for hundreds of dollars? This is all before you get into the story of the commercial in which a successful actor from a syndicated television show playing himself blows out the candles on a child's cake to wish for the phone. Is that because he can't afford it or doesn't know how to shop for it? I just feel that there are bigger problems for the Sean Hayes of this commercial universe than whether or not his cell phone has titanium in it, and that's the only problem Jason Bateman seems interested in solving. Okay, with that out of the way, let's get to some of the other storylines of Week 8. For the negative performances, I would say that the Niners and Chiefs both lost games in which they didn't look like top-tier contenders, and the Jets and Giants played a game that made it seem like both teams should be relegated to some other conference starting next year. I don't have a lot to say about the battle for New Jersey supremacy that we witnessed, but Zach Wilson almost lost a game in which the opposing team passed for a net of negative nine yards. How is that even possible? I don't want to hear from either fan base about disrespect for at least another season, and I definitely don't want to see Brian Dable or any head coach choose to kick a field goal when an overtime outcome means someone named Tommy DeVito trying to score in overtime. I'm a little concerned for the 49ers, but the Bengals were able to jump on them because Joe Burrow is looking more like himself than he did all year long, and the Niners' defense hasn't quite found its footing the way it did last year. They're still a top contender in the NFC, but they're no longer my conference favorite the way they were heading into this week. They're right there with Dallas and Philadelphia and those sort of teams, maybe even Detroit, but they're not you know, head and shoulders above that group. I'm not too worried about the Chiefs because they still have Patrick Mahomes, and even with the flu, he dropped a beautiful ball in for a touchdown that would have cut the lead to one score with just seven minutes left. Unfortunately, he dropped it on Sky Moore, who can't do much of anything right. They could use another offensive weapon, but no team is perfect, and they should be just fine for the long run. Cincinnati and Dallas had what I thought were the best wins of the week, and both should be taken seriously as regular season teams going forward. The Bengals are going to make some noise in the playoffs, but the Cowboys are stuck with Mike McCarthy, so their ceiling is probably a divisional round exit. Week 9 has some really great matchups, but without a co-host to break them down and maybe provide some counterpoints to the way that I'm viewing them, I'll just say that I'm very excited to watch Chiefs-Dolphins, Ravens-Seahawks, Cowboys-Eagles, and Bengals-Bills, and break them all down with the Axe next week. Let's jump right ahead to the picks. Last week we went 2-2, which brings us to 15-12-1 for the season. This week we're going to start by taking the Saints to cover 7 points at home against the Chicago Bears, partly because of everything I said earlier and also the fact that Tyson Bajan is still playing quarterback for the Bears and he'll be facing a very solid Saints defense in New Orleans. I also like the Chiefs minus 2.5 in Germany on Sunday morning because anytime I can pick Patrick Mahomes to win by just a field goal, I can't really resist it. The Dolphins are good, but again, do you really want to be in the situation where it's a tie game and Patrick Mahomes just needs a field goal to beat you? I don't. Seattle plus five and a half in Baltimore feels a little bit high, so we're going to take the Seahawks and hope that either the Ravens fall into an offensive rut where Justin Tucker does most of the heavy lifting, or Geno Smith plays a mistake-free game and does some damage with DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett. Finally, my favorite pick of the week is the Cincinnati Bengals at home, minus two against the Buffalo Bills. Maybe the line just isn't accounting for how good Joe Burrow looks, but the Bengals have played the Bills really, really well over the past couple of years anyway, 
and I don't think that this banged up version of Buffalo is going to be able to turn that trend around. All right, that's all for this week. We'll be back with your usual programming next week, so don't worry if you found this version of the podcast ridiculous. I assure you, I did too. Thanks for listening.